Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrical related. My name is Paul Abernathy, and I'm your host here. Uh, the show is sponsored by Electrical Code Academy Incorporated. I encourage you to visit our website at masterthenec.com. Uh, and of course, that's available in .net and .org as well. But we have a lot of URLs. We have a new one, electricalcodewizard.com. Imagine that, right? I think I'm a wizard now. I'm the wizardly person. Whatever. Um, I'm sure I'll get comments on that. Um, but welcome to the show. Today's show, if you're riding in the car, we're going to talk electric welders. We're going to try to cover it up in an audio variety type of podcast, which I'm going to paint you a visual picture in your mental mind of what we're talking about, since you probably won't have a code book handy while you're driving down the road. But we want you podcast lovers to be able to get the full effect of the National Electrical Code, even in your car. Or maybe you're sitting at work. And if you're at work and you're listening to this, hopefully you have a code book. We are working from the 2017 National Electrical Code. So welcome to the show today. Now, what are we saying we're talking about here? We are talking about electric welders. We're going to talk arc welders. We're going to talk resistant welders. Or resistance welders. Um, and we're going to talk in depth about Article 630. Now, <clears throat> let me give you a little, little insight here on what we're doing. Everything that I do is try to teach somebody how to pass an exam. Now, if you already have your licenses, this is good information to help reestablish things that you probably or should already know. Um, but if you don't, I mean, we don't know it all. None of us know it all. So, you don't necessarily have to listen if you're trying to pass an exam, but the information that I give you is to help you prepare for an exam and to turn certain things in uh, and make it easier for you so that it's less stressful during the exam process. Uh, for example, welding questions on an exam might be one, maybe one if, if you're lucky, and it might be a simple calculation. Uh, and I don't want you to, to, to get those wrong. There might be more complicated motor questions or whatever that you might get wrong or you don't have enough time and you would skip. And I, I teach you how to do that when it comes to exam prep and how you go through an exam in three different waves, marking the first wave, answering what you know, and, and, and saving the calculations for the next, you know, all this type of thing. Uh, if you haven't listened to that video or seen that video or, the, or listened to the podcast on that, I encourage you to do that if you're preparing for an exam. The whole point is, I try to give you the information that will help you understand the the article a little better. And I don't really dig so deep that you get confused, especially in a podcast. Okay, I try to break it down as, as easy as I can for you to follow. Uh, but the first thing we always want to do when we're trying to study the National Logical Code, and whether we're in the field or we're doing something in the real world, or preparing for a theoretical world, which is an exam, is that we have to make sure we read the questions properly, but we also have to understand the scope of what we're dealing with. Now, this happens a lot with people on the job. They're really looking for something, and I get calls all the time. Uh, and again, if you have code questions, you know you can always call me. I don't charge for any of this stuff. Go to our website. Half the stuff is free. Send your questions in. Look, you're not bugging me. You're not bugging me at all. I'm, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you learn. And that's what I've taken a lot of criticism through the years, thinking I'm a know-it-all. And I have never said that. What I have said, that I will give whatever I know to you if it benefits you. If it doesn't, and you want to call me some kind of name or whatever, or blast me, or thumbs down, or whatever, dude, that you can live in your own little disgusting world. But in my world, all I'm trying to do is help you. I am not trying to be like somebody else. I'm not trying to be uh, famous, because I'm certainly not going to get there on my website. So look, I'm just here to help people, and that's all I care about. Whether you like me or not, if you don't like me, why the hell are you listening to this podcast? All right, so let's talk scope. So the scope of electric welder says this article covers apparatus for electric arc welding, resistance welding. These are the two we're really going to talk about today. Uh, plasma cutting and other similar welding and cutting process equipment that is connected to an electric supply system. So that's important. Connected to electric supply system. Now this is all covered under the scope, which is 630.1 within the National Electrical Code. And again, we're in the 2017 edition. So if I'm doing something in the field in the real world and I got a question and I get calls all the time from electricians that are in the field and they don't have their book handy but they go, Paul, am I in the right area or where I need to be? 
Uh, first, I have to find out what they're doing so I can make sure they're in the right article. Okay, sometimes it might seem obvious, but sometimes it's not so obvious, and I want to make sure that they're you know, in the right area. Uh, once we establish that the scope applies to whatever you're working with, and that's the same for an exam, you want to make sure you're in the right area. Um, the next thing we can move on to is the listing. Now, in the 2017 code, you'll notice under six, Article 630, there's a little N that's grayed out, and it's next to 630.6. Uh, that lets you know that little highlighted N, or that grayed out N, is letting you know this is brand new for this article. Now, this term listing which is used throughout the code, but right here it's brand new. And it says all welding and cutting power equipment under the scope of this article, in which we just read the scope, shall be listed. So all resistance welding, arc welding, plasma cutting, or similar welding and cutting process equipment has to be listed. Okay, and if it's not listed, then it's coming from overseas and I shouldn't be dealing with it. Now, as an electrician, all I'm generally doing is wiring up the receptacle or I'm bringing the power to where the welder is going to be. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a welder. Okay, I don't know anything about welders, uh, you know, other than the basics, you know, that, you know, for sizing conductors for welders and things like that. But I haven't welded a thing in my life. And you don't have to be a welder as an electrician to know the basic concepts of how to wire these circuits. So don't get lost in that. Apprentices, don't say, oh my God, I got to know the difference between a non-motor generator arc welder and a motor generator arc welder. All you've got to know is whether or not the welder that you're supplying power to is a non-motor generator arc welder or a motor generator type arc welder. That's all you need to know. And you don't even have to know that. You ask the people that you're supplying the power to it, what type am I dealing with? Okay? And they should be able to tell you. All right, so um, again, don't make this more complicated than it has to be, especially for your apprentices or your vocational schools that are learning this type of stuff. So all of our arc welders and cutting power equipment has to be listed. Now, part two deals with arc welders, and that's what we're going to talk about first here. Now, we're going to talk about the ampacity of the supply conductors, whether they're a feeder supplying multiple welders in a group, or we're talking about branch circuit that's supplying individual welders. Um, we're going to talk about how to size these conductors. Now, the first one we're going to talk about is 630.11a. Then there's two parts here. There's an A and a B. A talks about how to size it to these individual welders. And again, you're going to use this one even if you have a group of welders in order to get the actual ampacity value that you would use to size conductors based on the on the, the formulas that we're going to give you right here in 630.11a. So keep that in mind. So this is a very important component if you're on an exam. Okay. Now, it says, 630.11 says, Ampacity of supply conductors. It says the ampacity of conductors for arc welders shall be in accordance with 630.11 A and B. Now notice it's not A or B because B is going to utilize A in its formula. Okay, so it's really a combination of both. Now A might only apply to you if you're doing a single welder. But if you're doing a group of welders, A and B are going to come into play. Okay, so that's why it says A and B. So that's another little tip for test taking. If you see and, then it could incorporate both requirements here. If you see A or B, then it is exactly that. It's either A or B. You choose which. Okay? So A says this, individual welders. It says, now picture in your mind now, you're running a circuit out to a junction box that's going to feed a whip or a flexible metal conduit or MC or whatever that's going down to the actual welder. Okay, liquid-type flexible metal conduit or liquid-type flexible non-metallic or whatever it is. You're feeding a junction box or maybe you're feeding a junction box with a receptacle. So in your mind, you're thinking one individual welder. How do I know how to size those conductors? Well, it says the ampacity of the supply conductors shall not be less than the I1 EFF value on the rating plate. So if this unit is listed and it has a rating plate, the first thing you're going to do as an electrician is you're going to look and see if there's an I1 EFF value expressed on here. If that ampacity value is expressed on this rating plate, then the ampacity of that conductor is not going to be less than that value. So assuming you have 75 degree rated terminals, uh, then you're going to size this conductor based on the, the ampacities that are given to you in 31015B16, provided all the conditions are applicable of that table. That means it's uh, 
The ambient temperature is not more than 86 degrees Fahrenheit, 30 degrees Celsius, and not more than three current current conductors. If all that condition is there and you have no other adjustment and corrections to take place and you simply go to the 75 degree column, find a conductor that can handle that ampacity. Uh, Be aware of all of your small conductor rules and blah, blah, blah. And we already have other videos for that. So if you don't understand how to do adjustment and corrections on conductors and capacities and conditions of use, then I'm going to encourage you to go watch that video. Okay, It's free. It's on our website. If you were confused at that, go watch that video. Hey, I'm just giving you more things to learn, man. I mean, it's all good. All right, so let's assume we have that value, that I1 EFF value that's on that rating plate. That's what you use. Now, what if, for some reason, you don't have that value on that rating plate? The code gives you, in their infinite wisdom, we're going to give you an alternative method. And that says, look, if that's not on that plate, it's the ampacity of supply conductors shall not be less than the current value determined by multiplying the rated primary current, which is going to be given in amperes, that is going to be on that welder's rating plate, And you multiply that by the factor shown, and this is going to be a multiplier factor, that is shown in table 630.11a based on the duty cycle of the welder. So that welder, uh, either in their specifications or on that rating plate, is going to tell you what duty cycle it is. Now, again, you don't need to know a thing about welders. You just need this information to be able to do the work. And if you're preparing for an exam... Don't get into the weeds. Don't start going and researching welders and all this kind of stuff because that is not what you need to do when you're preparing for an exam. You need to focus on what you need to know to pass the exam. Okay, You're going to spend the rest of your life gaining additional knowledge, right? If you're a journeyman, you're going to strive in your career to be a master. If you're a master, you're going to strive through your career to be the best master you can be. And if you're an apprenticeship and you're an apprentice, you just want to know how to do the math. Okay, That's really where you're at. Okay, so let's do this in an example in our mind. And we're dealing with one welder here. So based on what we see here, let's let's assume a couple things. Let's assume that we have a well, uh, a, a a non-motor generator. And again, it doesn't matter whether or not it's a non-motor generator arc welder or a motor generator arc welder because we have both multipliers down in table 630.11a. All you need to know is what the question asks you. And they'll have to tell you because we have two different values here. So the exam is going to tell you whether or not you're dealing with a motor generator type arc welder or a non-motor generator arc welder. And now in your mind, you're saying, Paul, what's the difference? And in my mind, I'm saying, you've already gone down that rabbit hole that I don't want you to go down. It doesn't matter. Okay? You can't handle the truth. It doesn't matter. You're just trying to solve the equation. If you really want to know the difference, Google it. But at the end of the day... We're just trying to pass an exam. Do not get bogged down into the weeds here. The person who wants you to, to put in this, this circuit for this welder, they're the ones that are going to know which type. It might say it on the welder. I have no idea. It might say it's a non-motor generator type or a motor generator type. Whatever. You just seek out which it is. Do not guess. Okay, Seek it out. We're going to assume you know. So in this example... It's a non-motor generator arc welder, uh, and it doesn't have the I1 EFF value on the rating plate, okay? But it does have the primary current rating on there. And in this case, it'd be 40 amperes. And it says on there that it has a duty cycle of 50%. Okay, so now since we're dealing with one welder, uh, we know we're dealing with a branch circuit. And it really doesn't matter whether or not we're going to a junction box and it's going to be hardwired or we're going to a device Okay, uh, for plugging cord, which we'll get into that a little more later. Um, we're just trying to size this circuit right now. And this is a branch circuit at this point. All right, so how do we size it? Well, we did. We said, well, it's 40 amperes. That was the plate, uh, the primary current rating. And then what we had to do is we have to go to this table 630.11a, which is the duty cycle multiplier factor table. And it specifically applies to arc welders. You go down to the column for the 50% duty cycle, and then you go over, and depending on whether you're dealing with a non-motor generator or a motor generator type arc welder, in our case, we said it was a non-motor generator type, you'll look down that column, and you'll notice that it is a multiplier of 0.71. So what you do is you just simply take 40 amperes times 0.71 equals 28.4 amperes, and we said that our terminals were rated at 75 degrees C, which they're going to give you on an exam. Uh, and at that point, um, you simply need to find a conductor in the 
310-15B16 75 degree column that's good for 30 amperes and that would be a 10 gauge. Okay, and that's what you're going to select. All right, so that's our you know how we're going to size it for an individual uh, welder. Uh, it's really just that simple. Again, if you didn't have to use the multipliers, if you had an, an I1 EFF value directly off the rating plate, then you simply use that, and you're not using any of the duty cycle information. Okay, that's an alternative method that allows you to use the duty cycle if the I1 EFF value is not on there. Remember, you use that first. Uh, if it's not given, then you can use the alternate method, which I said. All right. Now, what if I have a group of welders? And the question is, can I have multiple uh, welders on a circuit? Certainly. Now, I'm going to size these conductors and pass the a little different here. So what if I have a group of welders? Then we're going to use B. Now, remember I said it's three uh, 630.11A and B. So I'm still going to use the components of A for each individual welder in the group. But when I have to size those conductors for the entire group, then I'm going to use the individual currents that we determine in the practice of what we just did for each welder in 630.11A. And I'm going to take the sum, that's 100% of the two largest welders, and then let's say I have other welders. Then I'm going to take the third welder uh, in size, that's right, the third largest welder, and I'm going to do that at 85% of that value that we calculate in 630.11a. And then I'm going to take the fourth one and do it at 70%, and then I'm going to take 60% for all of the remaining welders. And that's how I'm going to, and I'm going to add them all together, and that's when I'm going to size those conductors, and then I'm going to look for uh, the conductor that can handle that application. Okay? Now, the concept of welders is that even if you have two of them, since we have the two largest welders, that when you're sizing it this way, uh, they're kind of intermittent in how these welders work, kind of how they spot weld. And the way it does it is it's not really continuous, kind of it's in a random uh, and I don't want you to get lost in the weeds here, but it's okay. I can have multiple welders going in this application when I use this group process. Uh, really, we're just we're sizing the conductors, if you will. Okay, I don't want you to dig overly deep into the weeds unless you want to become that welding guy and you want to be a welder and an electrician. Then you go off into that tangent of welders. But I'm just showing you how to size it. Okay, so you're still going to use 630.11a. But then you got the group application. You size each of the, uh, get the ampacity values for each of the welders based on what we did in 630.11a. Then when it's a group of them, I'm going to take the two largest welders at 100% of those values that we calculated in 630.11a. And then I'm going to, again, add the percentage multiplier in, again, the third largest at 85, the fourth largest at uh, 70, and then everyone after that at 60. And that's how I'm going to get these values, okay? And I'm going to size the conductors according to that. Now, what about the overcurrent device? Well, we got to get into that next. So that takes us to 630.12, which is overcurrent protection. Now, the first part of this one is real important because this is where it tells us that, look, when we start sizing these things, um, and we start sizing the overcurrent device that we can use the next size up rule. Now, at the end of the day, we can't exceed 200% of values, and we'll talk about that. Um, but we can do the next size up rule, and if the next size up or whatever, or if the the um, the rating for specific results uh, is opens unnecessarily, then I'm able to use the next size up for it if it doesn't you know doesn't work. Okay, so let's kind of look at how this, let's read it so that we can understand it. And it says, 630.12, it says, Overcurrent protection for arc welders shall be provided in 630.12 A and B. Okay, we have an A and B here. Uh, it says, where the values as determined by this section do not correspond to the standard ampere rated provided in 240.6. And if you remember, 240.6 is a table that gives us all our standard overcurrent device ratings. It says, or where the rating or settings specified results in unnecessary opening of the overcurrent device, the next higher standard rating or setting shall be permitted. Okay, so we have the next size up rule where it doesn't correspond, uh, or we might have one that does correspond, but it opens unnecessarily, 
then we are allowed to go to the next size. So that's what the or in here says. Okay, if it's 28, for example, you can go to the 30 because 28 overcurrent device isn't specified in 240.6. If it was 30 and you go to 30 and it says the the, the impasse is a 30 and there is a breaker at the 30, for example, and that doesn't hold, then I can go to the next size, which might be a 35 or whatnot. So you do have some parameters here for that. Now, that's your next size up rules. That's your unnecessary opening rules uh, that are covered in 630.12 for welders. Now, it also says that you have to meet A and B. You know, A says this for welders. It says each welder, okay, and we're talking about each welder. It says each welder shall have an overcurrent protective uh, protection rating or set at not more than 200% of the I-1 max, okay? So for each welder, uh, you shall have an overcurrent protection rating, okay? This is the overcurrent device for each welder, okay? So it's telling you the general rule that each welder is supposed to have overcurrent protection for it, okay? You'll read something different here in a minute. For each of the welders, and that value is not to be more than 200% of the I1 max, and that's something that's going to be on the rating plate. Now, what if that uh, is not on the rating plate? What if a I1 max is not there? Then the it says alternatively, if the I1 max is not given, so this is not on the rating plate, it says the overcurrent protection shall be rated or set uh, at not more than 200% of the rated primary current on the welder. Okay, so again, very similar to what we did for the conductors. Uh, we, we look for these other values here for the individual. Now, that's the individual overcurrent protection for each welder. Now, what it says, now what if, it says, it goes on to say, okay, an overcurrent device shall not be required for the welder that has supply conductors that are protected by an overcurrent device rating and set it not more than 200% of the I1 max or at the rated primary current of the welder, okay? So the individual welder doesn't have to have it if it's protected ahead of it and those supply conductors are protected and you're following the same rules. It doesn't exceed more than 200% of the I1 max or if it doesn't exceed the rating of the primary current on the welder, okay? All right, so that's the, the values here. Then it goes on to say even more. It says, now look, what if those supply conductors for that welder are protected by an overcurrent device rated or set at not more than 200% of the I1 max or or if they're at a rated or at the rated primary current of the welder a separate overcurrent device shall not be required and that means at the individual welder okay so if I have a welder with a device built into it, then we have the rules here. But we also have rules here that permit me to have the overcurrent protection upstream protecting the supply conductors, which ultimately, based on the size of the protection of those supply conductors, is protecting the welder. Okay? Okay, so that's what you're really, really getting here. Now, it goes on now to B, and it says for the conductors. It says, now, okay, what about for the conductors? It says... For the conductors, it says conductors that supply one or more welders. Ah, okay. So we have this allowance in this group, okay? The first one for a welder, but now we have the conductors that are actually supplying more than one, okay? Now, it's a, and it also still rule still applies because it says conductors supply one, okay? But it says one or more welders. So here we're kind of, we're getting the gamut here. It says... I'm being really redundant, but it says conductors that apply one or more welders shall be protected by an overcurrent device rated or set at not more than 200% of the conductor's impacity. Okay? So uh, when we're looking at that now, you know, and, and if I had to give you some kind of example of that, um, I guess uh, I'm really looking for the example. Uh, well, there's really not. I don't wanna, I, actually, I'm not going to tell you an example. I'm just going to read you something. But if you watch the video, I actually have a graphic for it. And basically, the conductors must be protected by an overcurrent rated device. And that overcurrent device 
uh, cannot be more than 200% of the conductor's rating. And that's pretty much going to take care of itself because you already have the rules for sizing the overcurrent. And it already can't be more than 200% of the I-1 max of current, right? But you also have to make sure. Now, there is an informational note here. And uh, I'm not going to read that because I don't think it's, you know, you can read it. But there is an informational note that tries to give you some uh, uh, guidance here. It already says, and I will, I'll read this part. It says, I1 Max is the maximum value of the rated supply current at maximum rated output. I1 EFF is the maximum value of the effective supply current calculated from the rated supply current, that's the I1, the corresponding duty cycle, which is X in this case, and the supply current at no load I0 by the following formula or equation. And there's this long equation uh, that, that gets done. Okay, That's just kind of tell you how they come up with these values on the plate. Okay, That's how you get the 1 or the I1 EFF. Do you need to know that? No. You don't need to know that. Pull the information off the plate. Good to go. All right. So long story short, if I had to give a recap for that for the apprentice, I'm just reminding you that each welder must have an overcurrent rated at not more than 200%. Okay. It doesn't have anything to do with the next size up or whatnot. This is just saying in the overall scope of things that overcurrent protection cannot be more than 200%. Now, could it be less than that? Sure. Because that's kind of a performance thing. But you can't be more than 200%, which is a safety component. All right, and it's not more than 200% of the maximum rated supply current at the maximum rated output nameplate or that value that's on that nameplate, the I1, the I1 max, okay? Um, and not more than 200% of the rated primary current of the welder, okay? If they don't have an I1 max available on that nameplate. And again, the conductors itself, you just have to make sure that that overcurrent protection is not more then 200% of the conductor's actual rating, okay? And that would be 200 more than the conductor's actual ampacity rating, all right? All right, so there is the little guidelines that you want to see. Again, don't make that overly complicated. Uh, the key factors you need to remember here for an exam is 200%, 200%, 200%. If it's asking you for the overcurrent protection and it gives you I1 max, remember that overcurrent protection is not going to be more than 200% of the I1 max, uh, it's not per, more than 200% of the, uh, the, over the, the conductors that supply one or more welders shall be protected by overcurrent that is not rated or that is rated or set at not more than 200% of the conductors ampacity. Keeping those things in mind, just lock in your mind that 200% value and go back and read 630.12 for that overcurrent protection. But that's the key. And let's see if I can give you, an, maybe I can give you another example of that. Uh, so let's see if I had, oh, let's see here. If I had a motor generator type arc welder that has a nameplate primary current rating of 95 amps and a duty cycle of 80%. Again, we're going to do this one as a motor generator type. Uh, and this example comes straight out of the handbook. So if you want to go look at the NEC handbook, it's you know gives you an opportunity to look and see the math. I did it for this because this is not the example I use in my uh, video presentation. Uh, but here it allows you to go to the handbook and follow along in this podcast if you wanted to. So first it says, determine the minimum ampacity of... A, oh, I should finish reading. It says, the question says, determine the minimum ampacity of the branch circuit conductors and the maximum rating or setting of the branch circuit overcurrent protection the device. Now, this is based on a primary rated current of 95 amperes, so obviously this doesn't have a, a an I1 max on it, okay? And it has, a, or an I1 EFF, uh, so we're taking nameplate information, or rating plate information based on the primary current rating. It says determine it. Now, the first step is you need to determine the minimum ampacity for the supply conductors, and that's when you're going to use 630.11a. So we took this 95 amperes, we went to the duty table um, in order to be able to find the, the, the appropriate value to use, and that would be using uh, the table um, 630.11a, okay? And we're going down and we're trying to use the values for this, and that value is going to be 0.91 for that 80% duty cycle value. So it's 95 amps times 0.91, which is 86.45 amps. Okay, so now 
I need a conductor that's rated for this. And assuming uh, 75 degrees C column, and we're using THWN uh, copper, so that allows us, THWN allows us to use the 75 degree column, because that's what that conductor is rated for. Uh, by virtue of the TH, the H, 1H, 75 degree. Uh, so we find it in a 3 uh, AWG allows for 100 amperes. That can easily handle the 86.45 amps. And no other conditions, adjustment, and corrections have been applied here. We're just simply sizing. And this is what you're going to get in an exam. Basic information. Now, that was the first part. So now we have to determine the overcurrent protective device for this. So to determine the maximum rating of the overcurrent device for this welder and that branch circuit, you're going to use the combination of 630.12A and B. Now, 95 amps times the 200%, okay? That's the maximum rating. So that means it comes out to 190 amps. Well, remember, we have the next size up rule. The next size up rule. And that next size up rule... Uh, allows me to go from, uh, based on um, 240.6, is going to be to a 200 amp overcurrent device because they don't have 190 amp rated. So I go up to 200 amps. So the overcurrent device is going to be 200 amps. Now, the minimum conductor uh, ampacity is 86.45 amperes. And the maximum rating or setting for the branch circuit overcurrent device is 200 amperes. So that's the maximum. Okay. Now, this rating and setting is the maximum permitted for supply circuit supplying a single wel welding. Uh, however, the NEC does not prohibit you to use a smaller size overcurrent protective device if you want. Uh, but will it hold or not? Might not. But this is giving you the maximum, but you obviously can do less because, again, this isn't a, a performance standard. This is a minimum safety standard. Okay. So that just kind of gives you an, an example with that, all right? All right, so, and then if I had to do the, the math uh, of the maximum size that they can't exceed, just for me, and let me get my calculator out because I just, I like to do these maths because they didn't do it in their example, but I'll do it, is that since it's 100 amps, I do 100 times 200% is 200 amps, and I am not exceeding the 200 amps uh, or the 200% of my conductor's rating. So everything works out and, uh, you know, everything's good. The 200 amp overcurrent device works out fine. Everything's good and happy. All right. So let's come back to the NEC. All right. So next, let's move past that. And let's move on to 630.13 disconnection means. Now, remember, we just talked about it says, well, we were talking about overcurrent protection, whether it was in the in the equipment or it's ahead of it, and that's all covered in 630.12 for where that overcurrent protection could be. Uh, it didn't have to be in the welder. It could be uh, ahead of the welder if it's protecting the supply conductors and depending on the ratings. And, you know, we're doing all that. Um, but we understand that we're required to have disconnection means. So let's read what it says here in 630.13. All right, so by this point, you should know how to size conductors. You know that you've got some key things to remember that table 630.11a is something that's used as part of the alternate method for sizing individual conductors. You do know that there's a group. You take the two largest at 100%, uh, and then you take the third largest at 85, the fourth largest at 70, and every other one at 60. You should get that by now. You know, you know that you can use the next size up rule with the 630.12 for overcurrent protected devices, but in all cases, you can't see more than 200% of the I1 max value or the alternative, which is the actual um, overcurrent protection shall be rated and set at not more than 200% of the rated primary current of the welder. That should be real familiar with you by now. Uh, so we, we've kind of followed that. And, this, and you know, again, we're going to cover all this in the video in more detail, but you kind of get it. I can feel your vibe. And you say, Paul, you're talking really quick again, and I can't help it. I just talk quickly. I try to slow down, but I can't. All right, so 630.13 disconnection means. It says a disconnection means shall be provided in the supply circuit for each arc welder that is not equipped with a disconnect mounted as an integral part of the welder. Okay. So if it's not integral to the welder, then each one shall have a disconnection means. 
Okay? So, you know, now, at the end of the day, uh, and, and I wanted to give you some good, you know, other insight on that, uh, there's really not a lot. You know, a switch of circuit breaker is required to discount all of the applications. So, uh, it is what it is. It basically says a disconnection means shall be provided uh, to supply, you know, in the supply circuit for each of the arc welders when they're not equipped on the arc welder. Now, if your arc welder has a disconnect built into it, that's integrated into it, then, you, then you're okay now. It also says that the disconnection means identified, uh, means identity shall be marked in accordance with 110.22a. All right, so now if we go back and look at 110.22a, because I sometimes like to do that, um, it says identification, it says, each disconnection means, and again, we're at 110.22a because it made a reference, so we want to look at the identification of it. It says each disconnection means shall be legibly marked to indicate its purpose unless located and arranged so that the purpose is evident. Now, obviously, if it says disconnect and it's actually on the piece of equipment, then it's pretty darn evident. Okay, uh, The marking shall be sufficient durability to withstand the environment to which it is uh uh, is involved. Obviously, if it's in a wet location or some kind of weird location, then it's got to be suitable for that type of environment. Okay. Now, it goes on to say the disconnecting means shall be a switch or circuit breaker, and its rating shall be not less uh, not less than that necessary to accommodate overcurrent protection as specified under 630.12, which we we just talked about. Okay, so it might be overcurrent protection, but it also can be the disconnection means, and it has to meet that rating. So if it's a switch, it still has to meet the rating aspects of everything that we did, okay, in 630.12, okay? All right, now let's go on to the, the other aspects here. Uh, markings, 630.14, marking. It says, a rated plate shall be provided for arc welders giving the following information. Okay, so now we're kind of getting into this listing. Now we're getting to what's supposed to be on this plate. It'll say the name of the manufacturer, which might be helpful if I got to contact them for something. The frequency, the number of phases, whether it's a single phase, three phase, what's going on. Uh, the primary voltage. And you'll notice that the listing says, even though we give you an alternate method, it tells you right here it's supposed to say the I1 max and the I1 EFF, but it also says, or the rated primary current. So as part of that listing, we're allowing them to give you either or. So I guess one manufacturer might give these values, and you use it, and they're kind of giving you the shortcut. You don't have to worry about the duty part of it, okay? Or, you know, they're giving you this value that's specifically on the rating plate, or they're not, and they're giving you the rated primary current, and that's what you're going to use for sizing conductors as well as sizing the overcurrent protection uh, in some component of the calculation. Okay, uh, they're also giving you the maximum open circuit voltage, the the rated secondary current that's coming out of this um, this welder, um, and they're also giving you the basis of the rating, such as the duty cycle, which is going to be pretty important if they only give you the rated primary current especially when you're sizing the conductors for an individual welder or the group of welders uh, because you need to use the duty cycle multiplier. Okay? All right, so that's what you're going to see on the marking on the plate. If you don't see any of that stuff, I probably would question whether or not you have a, a welder that's listed. Now, if it's an older welder and you're wiring it up, you're the electrician, you get to it, this name plate is totally gone, then I would look and do my best to find the manufacturer and contact the manufacturer. If the manufacturer is not in business, then you probably can find a manual somewhere online, but you're going to have to do your due diligence to find it, okay? Uh, because I don't really want you guessing at this point. All right, next thing we're looking at, and we're, we're almost uh, done with the arc welders, is 630.15. It says grounding of the welder's secondary circuit, all right? It says the, the secondary circuit conductor of an arc welder consists of an electrode conductor and a work conductor shall not be cons uh, shall not be considered as primary wiring for the purpose of applying article 250 okay so and it goes on to say informational notice says conducting welder uh, secondary circuits 
to grounded objects can create parallel paths and can cause objectionable current over equipment grounded conductors. Okay, so this is dealing with the grounding of welding secondary circuits here. Okay, so the, the actual, in theory, uh, in accordance with the NEC, you know, the secondary circuit of an arc welder could actually be viewed as a uh, a separately derived system, you know, but the function of a welder is again, as we know, if you're familiar with welding, is to create this high current circuit between this actual electrode and the actual work surface that you're grounding to. Now, in a normal operation of an AC distribution system, such as event would con that would be considered a fault to do this. So, uh, in the operation of an over current device would actually open the circuit because that's what it's designed to do is to clear, uh, the circuit from this arcing condition. And that's the principles behind Article 240 and 250. Now, when we're dealing with arc welders, the opening of the overcurrent device is not intended. We don't want it to open when we're making this connection. So a welding operation uh, exceeds those parameters uh, for the welder as far as the circuit that's supplying it. So grounding of a welder's secondary terminals ha uh, has the potential to cause excessive and potentially uh, degraded condition uh, with that EGC. So we really don't want that. So the requirements clarifies for the purpose of 250, the requirements for covering the grounding of separately derived systems, you know, when you're dealing with it, uh, the secondary circuit of a welder is not really, you're not treating it like any premise wiring. Okay, and it's not required to be grounded as such. So don't let anybody tell you that the secondary component of the welder has to be treated like the grounded system in a building. It's not. Okay, so by making this statement, it doesn't force anybody that's dealing with the secondary circuit or any grounding that might be required by that welder uh, to be. Uh, it's simply going to the work object. Okay, it's not to be connected to anything on the grounding side that would have anything to do with overcurrent devices or whatever. That's all secondary current uh, circuit applications. Okay, it avoids any conflict. So don't let anybody ever tell you that. And I don't think I've ever heard of anybody that gets those two. You know, concepts conflicted, if you will. Um, I will touch on it with a graphic uh, in the video series, but I just wanted to make that establish that, you know, again, if you're taking an exam, treat everything that comes up to the welder by the National Electrical Code. Do not treat the secondary conductors or the secondary circuit of the welder, which is probably on the secondary side of a separately derived system component of that welder. Um, then the way that works out, because it's stepping it up, if you will, in order to create this high level of current, don't treat that as any grounding component, okay? Because generally, you have the two leads. One connects to the uh, the work object, and then you have the actual lead that you're uh, applying to it in order to do the welding, okay? And that's about the extent that I know about welders, okay? All right, so let's move on. So that's really all you need to know. So if you're preparing for an exam, those are the things that you really got to think about. That 200% value for the overcurrent protection, um, the uh, how you size the conductors based on what we talked about uh, in the, um, the, the the first part of, of part two, 630.11a and b. That's a pretty simple concept for you to go over. And, and, and it helps you if you kind of watch it while you're listening to this. Uh, because then you can say, oh, I get it. I get what he's talking about. I'm trying try to make it difficult. All right, next thing we're going to talk about is resistance welders. And that's part three, 630.31. Now it says the ampacity of supply conductors here. It says the ampacity of the supply conductors for resistance welders shall be in accordance with 630.31a and b. Now you do see some grayed out language here. So there was a slight change and I don't know the change. I didn't go back and look at it. But there is a change here. But you're preparing for an exam. So don't worry about the change. Uh, if you haven't had an exam update or a code change class, and obviously that might be covered unless it's not really significant change. Uh, but here, um, and, and that's not what this uh, podcast is about. Uh, we're just looking at how we do it here. So, accordance with 630.31A and B. Now, right, number one, A, individual welders. It says, the rated ampacity for conductors for supplying uh, for individual welders shall comply with the following. Number one, it says the ampacity of supply conductors for the welder 
that may be operated at different times at different values of the primary current or duty cycle shall not be less than 70% of the rated primary current for seam and automatic feed welders. Okay, so that's this. So obviously, it has a variable settings at different values, uh, and you, if it is the kind that does, um, I guess, the seam and automatic feed welders, then it shall not be let. The conductor capacity shall not be less than seventy percent of the rated primary current for those type of welders, uh, resistance welders. All right, so that's pretty simple. I said, and fifty percent of the rated primary current. For manually operated non-automatic welders. Okay, so two values to remember: sizing the conductor, seventy percent of the uh, primary current rating, which is required on that rating plate. Um, if you're using one that is uh, seam and automatic fed welders, if that's what you're dealing with, I'm not a welder, so whatever. Um, and fifty percent of the rated primary current. It's, and again, we're talking about um, conductors. Uh, ampacity, uh, the supply cutters may operate, uh, shall not be less than these values, okay? Not less than these values. Uh, not less than 50% of the rating of primary current for a manually operated. And I guess the concept is an automatic one's constantly going on and on and on with a manually you're going to be spot welding. So spot, 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 spot. And so there's a current stopping and starting, stopping and starting, that type of thing. So, all right. So, you know, the values uh, sizing can be less. All right. And then there's a two. And the two says, okay, and it says the impasse of the supply conductors for a welder wired for a specific operation for which the actual primary current and duty cycle are known and remain unchanged. Okay, so this one's not variable, I guess. It's known and it's specific and it's unchanged. It says shall not be less than the product, uh, the product of the actual primary current. And the multiplier, here we got a multiplier here, specified in table 630.31A2 for the duty cycle at which the welder is to uh, will be operated at. Okay, so the first one is, seems to me it's a variable operation, depending on what you're dealing with. And then you have some of the welders uh, uh, for a welder wired for a specific specific task, a specific operation. Maybe it's a automated process in a in a like in a automotive facility where this welder does one thing, and it, the actual primary current or the duty cycle are actually known, and it's going to remain unchanged. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, then you take the actual primary current, you multiply it by the table 630.31A2. Uh, for that duty cycle that you know, and you're there. So there you go. And so, and it shall not be less as far as the conductor sizing for that. And if we look down at the table 630.31A2, it's kind of the same process here, okay, for resistance welders. You determine whatever the the duty cycle is, uh, and so, and then it gives you the multiplier. So you're going to take that actual prime current, multiply it by the multiplier here, and that's going to be your 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 impasse rating, all right? And your conductor sizing, based on the parameter here, is not going to be less than that. Okay, so that's pretty pretty simple. Now, that was a for the individual welders. Again, pretty similar to what we did, kinda. Although we have two variables here, we're dealing with. We're not dealing with the the. Uh, the values like the the I1 EFF or anything. We're dealing with values here for these arc wel- uh, resistance welders. Um, but then we have two. We have, what if I have a group of these? Okay, well, if I have a group of these, it says, look, group of welders. Now, the impacities of conductors that supply two, okay, so now we are dealing with two or more, okay? So the impacity of conductors that supply two or more welders shall not be less than the sum of the value attained in accordance with 630.31a. So again, do your normal calculation for your welders, each one, based on when you have two or more, based on what we just did, okay, based on all those variables, okay. Then it says not less the sum value obtained in 630.31a for the largest welder supplied and 60% of the value obtained for all the other welders supplied. Okay, so that's that's when you're dealing with two or more. 
So if you're dealing with one, you just follow A and you're dealing with an individual welder. But if you're dealing with a group of them, then you're going to take the first one based on the values that you got from your calculations in 630.31A. And you're going to take the largest one and then you're going to apply 60% to the values to all the other welders. And that's how you're sizing your conductors no different than you did before. Okay. Now what about overcurrent protection for these? Again, not a lot different from the other as far as the scheme of how we do this here. So 630.32 says overcurrent protection. Now overcurrent protection for resistance welders shall be uh, shall be as provided in 630.32 A and B. Okay, so we have A and B dealing here. Now A and B is dealing with the welder itself and the conductor. So we're going to have a percentage value, I'm pretty sure at this point, And we're going to follow the same kind of concepts that we did before. So this shouldn't be new to you. By now you should be old hat. It says, overcurrent protection for resistance welders shall be provided in 630.32A and B, where the values are determined by this section do not correspond to the standard rated uh, ampere rating provided in 240.6, which we just established uh, before, or where the rating or setting uh, specified results in an unnecessary opening of the overcurrent device, it allows me to go to the higher rating or setting that does not exceed the next higher standard rating uh, and shall be permitted. Okay, so it's that allows me, if it's 29 amps, I go to a 30, I'm perfectly fine there. I went to the next standard size. If it required 30 amps, and I went to 30 amps and that doesn't hold, then I can go to the next size, okay? Provided that you're going to see in a minute that that overcurrent device doesn't exceed a certain percentage of the values, okay? this is I'm just giving you some general basics, and hopefully that did not confuse you. So first thing I want you to remember is that, yes, I can go to the next size. The next size rule is into play. Now let's go on to 630.32a. Now we're talking about for the welder. It says each welder shall have an overcurrent device rated or set at not more than 300% of the rated primary current of the welder. So that's going to be on that welder's rating plate. Now it says if the circuit conductors for a welder are protected by an overcurrent device rated or set at not more than 200%, Okay, so if the overcurrent device is in the equipment, it's it's can be up to three hundred percent. But if it's if it's the supply conductors for the welder are actually protected by an overcurrent device rating, a little different than how it was worded in the other one for an arc welder. It said if those supply conductors in a welder are protected by an overcurrent device uh, or setting not more than two hundred percent of the rating of the welder, then a separate overcurrent device shall not be required. So typically, it wouldn't be required in the welder. I could have one upstream, and I don't have to have a separate one, a second one, okay, or another one placed by the welder, okay. So that dealing in that application. So you got to remember that three hundred percent if it's built in or a 200% if it's supply ahead of the conductor. So you're still following that 200% rule that we had even with the arc welder, even though we're dealing with resistance welders. Although you do get an allowance to go up to 300, and that particularly would probably be built into the, the piece of equipment, and that would probably be more manufacturer-driven. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be there because we give you these two options here. Now, that's good for the welder. Now, what about for the conductors? It says, well, now the conductors that supply one or more welders, okay, shall have protection. So see the difference here? You have the each welder, and then you have the one or more, but that's a little different when you're sizing conductors when it does a group because it's dealing with two or more, so don't get lost in this. We're doing overcurrent protection right here. It says where the conductors that actually supply one or more welders shall be protected by an overcurrent device rating or setting are set at not more than 300% of the conductor's ampacity. And that is no different than what we just did, okay, when we did it for the arc welder. So I don't want to repeat that again. If any of that confuses you, say, okay, wait a minute. He said 300% and 200%. Remember, we can still use next size up rules based on the ampacity values that we're calculating to protect that conductor. All this is saying is, ooh, even after we size that conductor, that... We can go to the next size up, but ultimately, whatever we do, it still can't exceed 300% for the over for the overcurrent protection that's built into the resistance welder, or if it's by protecting the conductors going to the welder, not more than 200%. So 
We just got to make sure it's not more than that. Or protecting the conductors, whether it's one or more welders that are resistant welders. I have to also make sure <coughs> that that overcurrent protection rating is set at not more than 300% of the conductor's ampacity. Okay, And that is to cover the fact that for the welder, we were allowed to go up to 300%. Uh, okay, so, you know, they kind of work together. So, anyway, if you're confused, I'm sorry that I'm not paying it picture. I know vividly what I'm trying to convey to you. Um, but you just really should read the code as we're going through and understand we're dealing with two different things here. We're dealing with how we size the conductor and we establish what size we need to be. And that's going to have an established ampacity value. And then here... We're sizing the overcurrent protection. We know that we can use the next size up rule, but even if we use the next size up rule, we have to make sure that the, the overcurrent device is not exceeding 300% or 200% based on the parameters here in 630.32a and b. And theoretically, it should take itself. In other words, I can't keep going to the next size up rule. I'm only going to the next size breaker, then I shouldn't really violate any of these rules. Uh, and it should take care of itself. But it's kind of telling you how to do it here. And I, and I don't want to cause any more confusion than that. And my daddy used to tell me, if I can't explain it to the point where you're not confused, then maybe I shouldn't be explaining it. But I tell you, it's not that complicated uh, if you just stop and read it. But sometimes when you're listening, you know, if you don't have a code book there, I always encourage you when you're in to listen to a podcast that you read it or that you listen to it, and then you go read it, and then it'll all make sense to you, I promise you. All right, so now let's get down to the disconnection means requirements for these resistance welders. Uh, 630.33, disconnection means. It says a switch or circuit breaker shall be provided uh, by which each resistance welder and its control equipment can be disconnected from the supply circuit. Okay, It says the ampere rating of this disconnection means shall not be less then the supply conductor's ampacity determined in accordance with uh, 630.31, which is when we determine the conductor's size. So that disconnection means has to can't be less than to be able to handle the ampacity rating that we determined when we size the conductors uh, in 630.31. Okay, when we just did that. Um, and it says the supply circuit switch shall be permitted as the welder disconnect mean where the switch supplies only one welder. Okay, so so the supply circuit switch uh, shall be permitted. Okay, not required. I can have a disconnection means at every switch at every welder, but it says the supply switch circuit switch shall be permitted shall be permitted as a permissive rule, as the welder disconnection means where the circuit supplies only one welder. If that's the case and it doesn't supply, or it supplies more than one welder in a resistance type, okay, then, then I have to have a switch or circuit breaker is required to disconnect each resistance welder and its control equipment uh, from the supply circuit, and that would be at each of the actual resistance welders, okay? Now let's go on into the part four, which is, oh, wait a minute, I skipped something, the markings. What's required to be marked on these resistance welders? Okay, well, there's seven items. Uh, and the first one says the name of the manufacturer. It's going to be important. If it's an older one, you might have to do your research and get some information from it. Uh, the frequency it's dealing with, 60 hertz, what not you're dealing with. Uh, primary voltage, the rated Kilovolt amperes, KVA at 50% duty cycle. So I need to know what the KVA is on it, or at least that's what's got to be on there. Uh, the maximum and minimum open circuit secondary voltage. Okay. And I need to know the short circuit, uh, short circuit secondary current at a maximum secondary voltage. That's going to be on the markings. And specific throat and gap settings. Now, I'm not a welder. That obviously is for the welders. Um, and you need to know that. And for me, there is I get enough information on here by that primary voltage because I'm not being asked with these anything to do with I1 Max or I1 EFF or whatever for an arc welder. I'm dealing with a resistance welder. So all I need to know is the, the primary voltage in order to be able to do all of the work that I did here. Okay. Next is part four, which is the welding cable. 
Now, most of the time you buy these welders, it's going to be listed. Again, that's what uh, 430.6 requires. Uh, and you got the cables. Now, if it doesn't come with a cable, you have to buy a cable. So if I'm buying a welding cable, um, let's just talk about the welding cable. 630.41 says the conductors. It says, and again, we're talking about the welding cable. We're not talking about the feeder or branch circuits. That's part of the building wiring. We, we've already dealt with that. It says the insulation of conductors intended for use in the secondary circuit, that is the secondary side of this, that you know, inside of this electric welder or this resistance welder, the one we're talking about, of the electric welder shall be flame retardant. So that means whatever the insulation properties uh, in it have to be uh, flame retardant as well. Because we're talking about high current from the secondary stepping it up. So we, we're dealing with that. Now, 630.42, which is the installation. It says cables, and again, we're talking about the welding cables here. Cables shall be permitted to be installed in the uh, in a dedicated cable tray as provided in 630.42A, B, and C. Okay, so I am not overly familiar with the type of application, but I'm assuming you have a... A, a, a stationary welding system and you have the welding cables that are going to be ran from point A to point B maybe to the actual modular unit that's actually welding maybe that's an arm in an automotive welding camp plant or whatever it is and you're going to actually have these welding cables and you buy these listed welding cables and they're going to be run from point A to point B and in this case it's saying okay I'll let you run it in a cable tray now you have an A, B, and a C. A is saying, how do I support these cables? Because a cable tray is not a raceway. A cable tray is a supporting component. It's not to be confused with a raceway. It says, the cable tray shall provide support at not greater than six inch intervals. So this would be the type of cable tray that you choose, whether it's a ladder, open bottom, however type of tray that you choose, the actual rungs itself can't have intervals greater than six inches okay, to support it. In other words, we don't want it to trapeze and hang down uh, and, and, you know, and things like that. And again, with a lot of current transferring through there, uh, you're also going to have to support them. And you could have whipping or movement of these cables, and we don't want them trapezing down. At that point, they could actually wear and whatnot. So... In the scheme of life, we want to make sure that if you're going to do them in a cable tray, that the support intervals don't exceed six inches. So choose your cable tray wisely. The next is B, which is the spread of fire and products of combustion. So the installation shall comply with 300.21. And of course, 300.21 has to do with uh, how we install them so that we don't spread the the uh, products of combustion, okay? So that would be having to do with certain penetrations, certain trays that might penetrate fire-rated assemblies, and what kind of fire-rated details you might want to use in order to keep this from penetrating, uh, and all those good things that are associated with 300.21. Again, another episode, another time. Item C has to do with signs. Sign says a permanent sign shall be attached to the cable tray at intervals not greater than 20 feet, kind of like what we have to do with service conductors that are in cable trays, the, shine sh- the sign shall read as follows. Now, it specifically has to say this. Cable tray for welding cables only. So if that's what this cable tray is for, then you have to put these labels on it, these signs, and these signs have to be installed at intervals not greater than 20 feet so that nobody in their non-infinite wisdom, will put anything else in this cable tray just because it might be a convenient place to put something from point A to point B and somebody comes along and goes, hey, I need to get some circuit over there, a brand circuit or a feeder over to this place. Oh, it happens to be near this welding equipment. Oh, God. Hey, man, don't worry about running a raceway. We got a cable tray. Oh, I'll just dump it in that cable tray. No, you can't. And you got to have these labels. So you definitely have to put the labels in there. All right, so that's what you got to do. All right, well, you know what? We were just a little over an hour, but that is the gist. If any part of this was confusing, uh, dealing with the 300%, 200%, just remember, size your conductor based on the ampacity, based on the formula we gave. Determine the conductor you need to handle that ampacity. At that point, now you're sizing the overcurrent protection. 
the overage current protection is being sized based on the primary rated current that's on the piece of equipment, okay? Uh, when you're dealing with resistance welders, we're saying. We're kind of doing a recap of that. And then you're going to be 300% as far as the overcurrent protection based if the overcurrent protection is built into the equipment or if it's protected upstream by an overcurrent device that's not overcurrent protection that is not more than 200%, you're going to base it on that. Ultimately, whatever the ampacity was that you determined in the first step for the conductors, you have to make sure that overcurrent protection doesn't exceed 200% of that ampacity value rating of that cable. So that's kind of in a nutshell for resistance welding. So... Uh, really, I think the arc welder is probably easier than the resistance welder, but you kind of get the kind of the idea. If any part of this is confusing to you, hey, look, I understand that I talk quick because I want to cover a lot in a short amount of time. And I do add a lot of other fluff in there. Hopefully you kind of enjoy the humor um, and, re- and realize that I do these off of the cuff. I don't prepare. I just do them. So I want to thanks for, thank you for listening. I hope you learned something out of it. Uh, stay tuned for the video that it's going to explain everything you need to know, basically a regurgitation of what we've done here, but we're going to supply images so that you can kind of get a better understanding of these concepts if any of it's confusing to you. If it's not confusing and you got it, great. Drop us an email, let us know. Go to our websites and post a thumbs up. Go to our Facebook page. I really need you to support what we do here. I know that I get emails from thousands of people out there a month uh, saying how we help them understand the code a little better. That's all we're after, man. We're not trying to sell you anything. This is not an effort for me to be like somebody else. This is me doing my own thing, and I love to help people with the code. Whether you agree with me, disagree with me, maybe you don't like the way I'm teaching, or maybe my concept's a little off and you think it's not right, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I can take criticism. Hell, I've been getting criticized my whole damn life in the electrical industry, but I know people love what I do, and that's why I do it. So God bless. Until next time, stay safe out there. Follow all safe practices. Remember, NFPA 70E, stay safe. Um, get yourself a code book, support the NFPA, support the IAEI, or Electrical Associ- uh, International Association of Electrical Inspectors, support your local IBEW, the IEC, all of those that are helping to promote, support the young folk that are in vocational schools. We need more of those individuals getting these uh, journeymen and master electricians out there. Uh, I'm out of breath. God bless everybody. Till next time, stay safe.